Well, here we are with another AmeriCorps Connections, and I'm so excited to be here with you all today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'm excited to be presenting our new AmeriCorps alum slash current AmeriCorps member. I know the first ever that we've had on the podcast, but let me just do the introduction. So I'm Nikki Fiaco. I'm the brainchild behind AmeriCorps Alumni Connect. And I'm just really happy that you found us here on YouTube or that you found us um, on your platform of podcasts. Um, this is where we, cut, we catch up with AmeriCorps alumni to reflect on their service term and to learn what they're up to now. I'm motivated to do this podcast because I know that through my service year, it was so transformative because it wasn't just the service that I was doing, but it was the connections that I was making. And I'm hoping through this podcast and through this platform that we can continue that communication. So for the month of April, I'm really excited to be celebrating Earth Month um, and be highlighting AmeriCorps members who are doing service in environmental environmental programs and are in some way still doing that type of service, which we'll learn from Julia here that I just, I'm spilling the beans. She is still a current AmeriCorps alum or a current AmeriCorps member. And I'm so excited. But anyways, it's through, it's my hopes that through these stories and their service and the current work that they're doing, that we're all motivated and inspired to do, to take some sort of action. Um, you know, however it feels comfortable for us to address some of the issues that we're dealing with when it comes to just the pressing issues with our environment right now. So with all of that being said, I'm really excited to introduce Julia Garcia, who is in the program with Civic Civic Park. I think that's Civic, the- Civics Park, yes. Civics Parks. And um, so she served in 21, 22, and she's continuing to serve um, in 22, 23, finishing up her service year and working on- um, something that I think is super uh, important is clean transportation. And I find this conversation really inspiring. And the fact that Julia is a young leader in this industry and an AmeriCorps alum, a two-year alum, I'm super excited to highlight this conversation. Um, and I just want to say it's kind of warm out here on the East Coast. So I have my fan on. So like, it's like literally blowing in my face. But anyways, I want to highlight Julia. And Julia, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us what you're up to and tell us a little about your service and I'll sheepdog you through the um, conversation. So no worries. Go for it. Well, hi, everyone. Um, that was a really great introduction. I hope I, I live up to that hype you gave me. Um, so I'm a current uh, CivicSpark AmeriCorps member. Um, this is my second year serving with CivicSpark. And both years, I was placed at Los Angeles County, uh, California, of course, um, in the Clean Transportation Program at ISD. And ISD, or Internal Services Department, they run services for typically LA County employees only. But the Clean Transportation Program has a lot of public-facing um, aspects to it. And so my part in that is I've mostly for my first year was research. Um, I did all this research on electric vehicles, um, mostly uh, electric vehicle charging stations, which is what um, my team deals with. We deploy 
electric vehicle charging stations throughout LA County. And so right now, LA County is the second largest uh, network, government-owned network rather, out there in all of the U.S. So it's kind of exciting. Um, we're at around 1,100 chargers. You know, the the leader who, as far as we know, has around 1,300. So we're hoping to pass them up. And um, leader is Austin, Texas. So shout out to Austin. They're actually doing really great on that. Um, so what I did my first year was I created, I did some research on best practices for operation and maintenance of uh, electric vehicle chargers. And um, I guess the technical term EVSC, electric vehicle supply equipment. Um, and I'm sorry if I'll, I'll use those interchangeably and I'll, I'll try to stick to one, but and we took those surveys and we compiled them. We're saying, okay, we looked at the laws existing in California around how you should how you should apply fees to electric vehicle chargers, and then we looked at the way everyone was doing it. And there are so many. If anyone out there owns an electric vehicle, there's so many different ways to pay for public charging. There's apps. There's and there's not one app. There's an app for every single charger out there, and they want you to fill a wallet or they want you to connect your bank account, and then they charge some places charge like a flat rate for the whole session which is great if you can afford it but it's not quite you know that's not a sustainable strategy and then other places charge per time so per hour per minute and then um what's becoming more common is charging per kilowatt hour and i haven't been read on it read up on it uh, within the last year but as far as i know the federal standard there's no there's no standard for charging. But here in California, we do have a standard that was implemented about two years ago, and it's the order to charge in dollars per kilowatt hour, which makes a lot of sense. And it, you know, if everyone's charging in dollars per kilowatt hour, that will, you know, help to reduce barriers to to paying for your for your charging. And so we went ahead and we took that and um we found, you know, all these other great little trends and things that are happening in the world of EV charging. Um, and then we took that data and we applied it to our the way the county wants to charge for fees. Um, and I think the county is extremely limited in the way it can charge for fees because it can't charge based on what the local average is. So it's not quite like gas, but we want it to be as easy as filling up your tank with gas because why do you want to do something difficult? Um, and make that change and it's you know old habits die hard and so, so I want to I want to like just like pause real fast and I put myself on mute because my fan is so loud but one of the things I I'm wondering so this is amazing right so you went into an AmeriCorps service year and let me just ask you real quick because we didn't go there were you looking for AmeriCorps on purpose or did you find this opportunity and then discover it was AmeriCorps? Um, at my university, I went to UC Davis for my undergrad and, um, you know, spring was coming up and graduation was like a month away. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, and so I went ahead and applied and I was actually rejected in the first round and the second. Uh, so I was rejected the first year I applied, the first year I was out of college. Um, and then a year passed and I was still, you know, finding a job. It was a really hard time. I graduated spring 2020 as the height mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Um, I didn't get a job and 
is like, it was not a great time for myself. It was such a blow to the ego. I don't know what I thought post-graduation life would be like, but I thought the stress would be gone. You know, I'm done with my education. I'll have a job. It'll be great. Uh, It wasn't, but so I, I was persistent. I applied again uh, and then I was rejected again, but I got to an interview this time and then I was rejected. But then uh, about two months after that rejection, I got a, um, another email uh, from Los Angeles County. And they're like, hey, our candidate dropped out. Do you want this position? And I was like, yes, I will be your second pick. I don't mind. I don't even Good know if I was their second pick. They might've offered it to other people, <laughs> but I I am not, I don't have, my pride was non-existent. So yeah. <laughs> and so I, and you cut out just a little bit on your video feed. So you were particularly looking for like a job experience, not necessarily an AmeriCorps experience, right? Yeah, I was looking for anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had done an unpaid internship right after college and you know that's a whole different set of problems yeah that (laughs) well and I I, like the reason I point that out and and that I want to double down on that is that like um I think a lot of times when people think about AmeriCorps or Peace Corps or any of the sort of service opportunities they think of this altruistic I got to be this person that wants to give back to the community and I from what I'm experiencing with the interviews and the people, the America, the alumni that I'm engaging with is that like 50% of them had no idea. Um, so spending a year of researching, like that's PhD level stuff <laughs> is what I'm saying. Right. Like, like doctorate of like, um, so, so you spent your first year. So I just wanted to I just wanted to point that out that like what you did your first year of service, number one, you were just looking for a job. Number two, you probably didn't even really know what you're getting into. And then number three, you compiled a lot of data. And at at the end of that service year, you came up with a strategy, right? Like there was a strategy. So tell us what you, what the strategy was. Cause I think that that is amazing because now you're implementing that and that is freaking cool yeah um I definitely had no idea what AmeriCorps was um (laughs) and you know I admire those those of alumni and those service members who go in thinking I'm going to volunteer and who do it for the purpose of volunteering um and for myself I I've always known that I was going to be in government or in public service in some way or another so that wasn't too far from that but it, it um but you know, it's been a great experience. But as far as so we, so it's going jumping back to what I've been, what I did my first year. You know, uh, we evaluated the current fee that LA County has um, for their chargers, and it wasn't anything. You know, it was thirty cents kilowatt hour off peak and forty five cents on peak, and that's pretty standard for you to see, at least in California. I know it's really varied across different states. Um, and I was like, okay, great. So what? where is that going to put us in 10 years when we deploy the 15,000 chargers that LA County wants to deploy themselves? Um, it's like, are, are we going to be in deficit this whole time? You know, uh, do we want to recover the costs? So much, so much of it, it will be subsidized. So much of it will be covered by grant funding. Um, so what is acceptable to recover? Should we just be recovering the cost of electricity? Because I think 
you know, especially right now when there's so much free charging out there, it's great for people to want to adopt, but it's not ideal because, you know, we don't give away free gas. So why would we give away free electricity? And, you know, unfortunately, you know, that is a reality that we're going to have to live with, you know, it's, I don't expect them to stay free that much longer. But anyways, back to the county, we were, we made these models and we made these projections and we saw, okay, in 10 years at this price, we will still be in deficit. Utilization won't be that great. And we won't have really done anything to get more people to adopt. And so then we were looking at different structures. Okay, what other structures are out there? And so we went back to our survey of governments and to see how everyone else was charging. And then we went back to the laws to see how we could charge here in California. Um, and we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I'll just say that it's research. You never want to reinvent the wheel. Um, so we looked to the utility companies, right? And to look at the way they were charging. And so we just adopted a third time of day uh, a time of use period. Um, so we call them off, super off peak, off peak and on peak. So <laughs> there's, there's nothing, nothing too radical, but, you know, creating these models that, that figured out, okay, this is where we're going to be here. This is what adoption might look like. Uh, what if we had high adoption in the first few years? What if we had low adoption? Well, what has adoption been historically? So we were looking at the past five years and how have electricity rates risen? So we were looking at the past five years, um, which even, even now um, we're running through a reevaluation just because electricity rates have gone up now. So that changes the way our model works, but the structure of the model will stay the same, which is great. So we created this tool. It's like, it looks, we call it a calculator, but it's an Excel sheet with, you know, you put in your own data from whatever city you're representing, however time many time of day periods you want um, and how quickly you're going to expand just for a 10 year period, which even for a model that 10 years is pretty far to project out. So um, and I think we have to remember when we're talking about models that you know often it's not what it's gonna look like. Or it's, it will never be exactly what it's gonna look like. But we created this really great tool and we sent it to all our survey really great feedback. I'm really excited to say that city of Los Angeles contacted me like, I think it's been like a month now um, ago and they're adopting our structure. And so it's making a movement to get more fee structures into the same, uh, same pattern so that, oh, I go to this charger and I go to this charger and it's not different. It's easy to, to make that transition. And I, I just wanted, because it's it's easy to get lost in this conversation of what we're actually talking about. And you're an AmeriCorps member and you, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you're, you're researching and you're making decisions for a, a city and a county. And that's huge, right? Like that's, that's huge. And you're, you're, you know, in the structures that you're bringing in and, you know, I wrote down city planning, right? Like you don't, I, I don't think that you had urban city planning in your degree. I don't think that that was like something that you were like, oh, I'm going to, but that's what you're doing. And, and I just, to circle it back around again, because I think what you're talking about is so important. And I think that people 
who are not AmeriCorps members would find everything that you're saying so interesting. And I just want to say, if you're still listening now and you're not an AmeriCorps member and you don't know what AmeriCorps is, this is the power of national service. And this, these are the type of people who serve <clears throat> in AmeriCorps. Um, Julia went into this service year not knowing it was AmeriCorps, um, but you're making really big decisions you know you're make you're making an impact so after your first year because i think your first year was really steeped with research why did you stay and why the heck are you serving a second year <laughs> because i think your first year was research so what made you stick around to do the second term of service and you may be frozen or i may be frozen hello Okay, you're back. Sorry about that. Um, so oh. I got, why did I stay for a second year? Um, yeah, because your first year, from what I recall, it was a lot of research. And then now I feel like you're in the implementation stage. So I felt like there was so much left to learn. And, you know, my background is, is a little bit borders, you know, city and regional planning. I was, uh, my major was environmental uh policy analysis and planning. So I got a little taste of it. Um, and, you know, in my undergrad education, and I had taken a transportation planning course. And I was just so enthralled by all these different aspects to transportation planning that I didn't realize were, were part of transportation. Um, and so <laughs> I found this, I found this, you know, fellowship and I was like when they first contacted me they're like well do you want is there specific projects you want to work with because they list their projects and I was like well I really like I think there were like two transportation oriented uh projects and one was with high-speed railway here in California and the other one was here with LA County I was like well I want one of these two and in retrospect I should have told them that I'll take anything because I was so desperate at that time um to find work and get job experience um but uh, it was really great because, you know, I'm here, uh, if anyone knows, in Alhambra, California, it just borders Los Angeles. I'm literally two miles away from <laughs> the office, which is great. So I went, uh, you know, my my boss and my project coordinator at AmeriCorps, um, they've all been so supportive. And I applied to graduate school and I got accepted to a lot of different places. And um, mostly they were uh, urban and regional planning uh, oriented and then they have like specialties that you can go into and that's where you'd find transportation but at uh, University of Washington Seattle they had an online program that was specifically sustainable transportation and then they also had an online program that was uh, infrastructure planning and management and I was like that's those are both what I'm doing right now and I was, it was great, it, you know, so I was like, I'm going to apply to both of them just in case I don't get into one. And then I got into both and I was like, well, I can't do both. And I was like, but can I do both? And so <laughs> now I'm in both programs. And Isn't I'm very it funny busy. how we think that we, <laughs> so during the end of the pandemic or no, I'm sorry, during the end of 2020, I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything with my life. So I enrolled in a graduate program, graduate <laughs> certificate program and a coaching course. And so I was literally on zoom from like, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning till like 10 o'clock at night because everything was virtual, but I was like, I can do it all. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how we're just like, Oh, we can do it all. <laughs> so 
so it's what it, what are we in we're in april so when we think about the uh term of school are you wrapping up your graduate program so will you be wrapping up your second term here in americorps and what are you hoping that like your to, to kind of your handoff will be will look like for your um americorps project yeah um so this year's project was more focused on creating like a list of priority sites of where to put chargers. And to do this, I was looking at all kinds of aspects, you know, vehicle population, um, everything from where do we own EVs to where is there going to be a charging desert because people can't afford to get EVs or they're afraid to adopt because there aren't chargers around them, all these different aspects. Um, and so even actually just this week is the first working model that I have that um, I'm presenting to my boss tomorrow, actually. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and she'll give me some feedback and I'm sure it's not the final version. It's never the final version, guys. <laughs> um, and so that's done. And so now the next step, or if we'll, we'll see tomorrow, but the next step would to be to find what the ideal number of stations or chargers are at a station. Uh, so you go to the market and maybe they have like one or two chargers there. Um, but for a hospital, you're not gonna put one or two chargers there. You're gonna put 50 chargers or you're gonna put you know 20 chargers here and maybe there are multiple parking lots or multiple structures. And so that's what we'll be looking at. Um, there's an argument between <laughs> Uh, the program manager is about, you know, should we be looking for an optimal number or there are so many factors that affect how many chargers that you're going to put at a station from age of the building, you know, can the meter handle additional load capacity? Um, what about the region? What circuit you're on? Can that handle more? And there's all these different factors that are playing into it. So maybe it's just better to go with what the minimum is for the building codes that are being enacted. Um, so there's a lot of different ways we can go. And there's a lot of existing models out there, unlike my previous year where I, there were no models. <laughs> there, were no, there wasn't a whole lot of guidance. Um, yeah, so unlike that, there's lots of research out there. And so I've been reading through quite a bit of that. And if anyone's out there listening to this research or going into your first job, even going into this job with the basically nothing, you know, there were times where I had no idea what I was doing. It's like, am I reading all this? Um, you know, it, and for a while, especially even I was surprised this year, I was like, oh, this year will be so much easier because, excuse me, I know a little bit about what I'm doing and it will just come easier. And that was not the case. Um, anyone out there in mathematical modeling, it's no background before that. So really relying on the research that other people have done <laughs> to see if we can adopt someone else's research or what makes sense for our area. So that's the kind of where I am. Right now I have like, actually like exactly, almost exactly four months left in my service year. So we're getting- Oh, wow. Close. Um, so for the way we ordered the sites for that where we should go with charters first. And even if I, you know, for planners out there, for anyone, consultants, you know, 
all the data we gather, all the models we put together, they're really just to give guidance to decision makers. And so even if I make this list and I tell them how exactly how many chargers should go to, it's really just guidance or maybe it's a conversation opener because a lot, at least in the county, there's a lot of a lot of different aspects to ownership by department. So it's just, we're gonna go to department and say, hey, we did all this research. It looks like this building that you have is in a high priority area. We think you should put charges there. Um, let's talk about it and see how we can get this done. And even beyond that, some it's surprising to me that some departments will say, well, no, we can't do this because of this or because of that, or you know, a lot of the, some of the buildings are being phased out and they're building new buildings in their place, or there's all these factors that are weighing in. Um, it, it seems like one of the things that you're saying, uh, and, you know, not specifically for an AmeriCorps year, but also for any type of, um, I'm going to just say entry level position, you know, internship or whatever, entry level in AmeriCorps, do, do the project and do it with all of your heart and learn, like learn, right? Like you learned how to research, you learned how to, to siphon through the data and put together reports and this and that. And the experience that you learned from like doing the research and compiling the data and is so much more valuable than actually the outcome of what is done with it. Like we all want to like give this amazing report. And then we're like, we are on this pedestal and we did this amazing thing and we've changed the world. And it's all because of this crazy research that we did. But so much of the time is because people like you who like, I think that we should have more charging stations at a hospital. And then somebody comes in and it's like, well, no, because the grid, because of all the machines and that it can't, can't handle it. And you're like, that's still what I think, but I'm not the one that makes the decision. So, but I say all that to say that, like, I, I feel like one of the things that you're, you're talking through your experience is that like, and these, this is for people who are in their service year, or maybe, um, you know, whatever, like wrapped up their service year, like take it for what it is and and make it what you need it to be. Right. Like, our service here can can build us up and transform us into something different, better, more resilient, or it can like break us down. And I think like like I'm just seeing the light in you and like just the excitement in you that like, but like taking the experience and like, you know, just going with it. So so as we come to the end of sort of this conversation, because you've shared so much valuable, number one, like information about where we're heading for the future, because I'm sorry, everyone follows LA. No, <laughs> isn't it like LA and New York? It's like whatever they're doing, the rest of the country does. Um, but also like what somebody can make of a service share. Um, as we close this down, I want to circle back with like two questions. And I want to bring us back to kind of environmental month and like earth month and earth year earth forever right because this is where we live in your opinion based on the like the I don't know I guess the research and stuff what is something that like us commoners <laughs> us muggles could do um less of 
to not contribute to the issues that are happening with our planet? And then what is something that we could do more of? So the first question is, what what could we do less of? And then what, what could we do more of? Right. So this, this is a great question, because I think a lot of, um, you know, electric vehicles are just one little cog to this mm-hmm. whole greater uh, fight against global warming. And in all reality, driving cars is not good for the environment, whether they're electric or not. Um, so we can do less driving and we can do more of any other mode of transportation because not only is it more efficient, but it will help us move towards a you know cleaner air, less emissions. It's just one part. Um, and I think that's something as transportation planners, people think the future of transportation, oh, it's all going to be electric vehicles. No, it shouldn't just be electric vehicles. It should be, you know, a, a, even a, a, like a plethora of choices. You know, we should be biking. Maybe it's for those of you in urban areas, it's those shared jump bikes or Angeles is not going to be the answer in a small rural area. You know, it's not going to be the answer for it's The answer for every city is different. And I think that's something we have to realize. Um, but either way, it's just to generalize, at least in coming from transportation, less driving, more, you know, walking, more bicycling, more van pool, carpool, bus, light rail, train. Um, as long as, you know, the more people that you fit into, that sounds the more people you fit safely, there we go, safely into a vehicle, the more efficient you're becoming. Um, so it, just getting away from that single occupancy vehicle is uh, will be a really great step. Yeah, and I, I feel like that encompasses like what we can do more of and what we can do less of all in one encapsulation, <laughs> for, like for sure, right? Like, um, yeah, um, I, I will have to say that I'm like, pretty okay with when I'm going to be able to like lock my car into something and have it just go in. I I do kind of like my isolation. I will say, Julia, I like to like kind of not be around a lot of people, but if there's a way that I can like lock my car into like some system where it just automatically takes me somewhere and I can snooze or do my notes or something like that, like I'll be an early adopter. I'll be down for that. <laughs> like the yeah. Jetsons, you know? Um, I think uh, just to point that out, like I I, I want to say it's like San Francisco. I'm like half sure. But San Francisco has those autonomous vehicles, which I have a whole bunch of opinions on, which we can't get to right now. But, you know, you call an autonomous vehicle and you're there in the back and it's going to take you directly to the address to do whatever else you know the reading that you needed to do before you go to school or play on your phone or watch some tv or listen to some music or something that you know involves not looking at the road um and so that's something interesting that they're doing that's not the answer everywhere (laughs) obviously um but you know that's one way to do something like that that if you're you're don't want people around you you know (laughs) so maybe that will come to your area in the future. 
coming to an coming to a road near you. Um, <laughs> Julia, this conversation has been absolutely wonderful. And I think we connected through LinkedIn. And I just want to um, honor you for number one, like feeling confident enough to reach out and, and jump on this podcast and share your story and yourself and um, your experience and your journey with us. And I, I also just want to say that, like, I appreciate your um, wisdom and your intrigue in how we can move forward in a more sustainable, sustainable way. Like there's a better word than way, but I'm just going to say that. Um, so really appreciate you and totally forgot that I was interviewing an AmeriCorps alum um, <laughs> because you're like, the, like this is the coolest thing. And this is the reason that I want to have this platform of AmeriCorps connections is that like you're doing amazing things and you're an AmeriCorps alumni and like that's freaking cool. So um, last last couple things that you would like um this network to to know or to do or to share you know what sum it up like what are the last couple things that you would just like to say um wow that's a <laughs> question it's like what it else is. is there to say um just that you know take advantage of your service year if you have you know I have grown so much professionally um you know, I didn't know anything. I had taken a single Excel course in college and really it only covered like two weeks of our quarter. Anything about that. And now I've gone from beginner to, you know, intermediate bordering advanced. Um, communication was also um, something that I've really developed. And especially, I don't know why, communication by email is such a thing for me. Like I read the email 20 times before I send it. And then there still ends up being some typo or something. Um, and, you know, just putting yourself out there to learn something new is it's okay. And don't be afraid of projects or of experiences where job experiences where you have no background because you can learn it. It can be learned. Um, and I think AmeriCorps really gives you that opportunity in that space to learn, uh, which is great. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to finish out my AmeriCorps year it's getting there and four month countdown and I'm excited to be leaving and hoping that I'll get hired somewhere else <laughs> um Julie is on uh, the market in case you're yes. <laughs> yes. I, I I can imagine that actually everything that you're doing is going to be um you're going to be scooped up really quickly and um just to double down on what you said is that like the skills can be learned and the skills can be learned during the service year so Julia, thank you so much for being with us today. Really, really loved this conversation. Um, and for all of you who have made it this far, I'm trying to limit the conversation down to 30 minutes, but it's just not happening because AmeriCorps <laughs> members and AmeriCorps alumni are amazing and there's just so much to share. So thank you for um, lasting this long and we will have another um, alumni up here shortly. Um, I'm working on the website. I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties. So if you are clicking on it and it's not doing what you you want it to do, just like hold tight. Um, I actually have a, an AmeriCorps alum that I interviewed that's helping me with the website. And um, I'm going to have resources and everything available to you shortly. So hang in there. 
follow up uh, next week for another interview. And Julia, this was awesome. Thank you yes. so much. Appreciate Kelly. you. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs>